Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pixies Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It's Wednesday, September 17th. We're losing track of time. We work so hard and do so many podcasts around here. It is a daily NFL podcast. That's what we call it. But it's really eight shows per week at bare minimum because we're recording before and after every primetime game, constantly spending the entire day researching for this podcast, planning it out, sketching things out. And today we're pleased to be joined by the one, the only, pew, pew, pew. What's up? Good to be back on with you, Will. It was almost like you were trying to describe what exactly you do every day, because there are a lot of people here in the CBS Sports HQ headquarters who do wonder what it is Will Brinson does every single day. You know, I, I sometimes I wonder what, where does all the time go? Where does the time go? <laughs> well, it sure goes to that beard. That's what it looks like. I'm not spending much time on this. It's just natural. Looks good. Yeah, it naturally mats itself down. What is with the hat, though? I've noticed that's more the trend now, too, by the way. And uh, you got this black hat, but there's like that that like white rope, or uh, I'm not even sure what to call that. The rope hat. That, that's, rope the, it's the rope hat. Rope hats are the now, is that, is that like a yacht club hat? Is that some sort of naval hat? It looks very boatish. This is a uh, McGregor Downs golf club hat. Oh, okay. That's very. I don't remember. Ritzy. I just played out there. Very... And I, was like, oh, I really like that hat. I'm into rope hats. Rope hats are the new, the new hotness. That's what I'm saying. They're the new, they're the new thing right now. But right. they do come off as very pretentious and very preppy. Well, I, that's me. So that works. Uh, <laughs> if you want to see me looking pretentious and preppy? You can do so. Like you want to see my rope hat and the handsomeness that is Brady Quinn? Go to youtube.com slash pick six. We put every show on there. Uh, Brady even managed to turn his iPad sideways today. For the, uh, for the podcast. Very excited. So, uh, by the way, you know, it wouldn't be an early season show if we didn't do something stupid like overreactions. What do you think? Yes. Yes. I've been waiting for this. I haven't had a chance to overreact to anything right now. Well, so what I'm going to do, so it, basically what we did throughout the day was we massaged some thoughts about week one and then, you know, goosed them up with little Brinsonisms and, uh, and then we'll, 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 we'll throw them out there, see what you think. And then you can, you can laugh at whether it's a hot take or a hot, hot, hot take or not take or whatever, whatever. What about overreaction or reaction? Yeah. Slight, slight reaction or modest reaction. It'll be a very, <laughs> be a very spicy segment. Um, anyway, let's dive into it. Start with the Monday night game. The Steelers had the best defense in football and Ben Roethlisberger will be better than Drew Brees and Tom Brady this season. Okay, Steelers' best defense in football. Man, it sure looks like that right now. I do think there is one weak link, and I'll be curious to see how they address it or how teams attack it moving forward. That one weak link is Steven Nelson at the cornerback position. If you go back and watch, a couple of touchdown passes to Darius Slayton, both on Steven Nelson. So I think teams, when they look at this secondary and they look at this defense, they're going to be like, I don't have much time to throw the football, 
and there's not many favorable matchups. So I basically have to pick the one that I think is going to win the fastest and get open. And that's probably on Nelson. So I'll be curious to see if Justin Lane, go ahead. But I was going to ask you that just sort of a follow up to spin it forward for next week because the Broncos and Steelers are playing and we saw both teams play on, on Monday night as well. Um, Drew Locke had a, a decent game. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about him. What do you think that matchup would look like? Cause I think there's an exploitable maybe prop in that game. If we can say, all right, Steven Nelson is probably going to be covering Jerry Judy. Yeah. Jerry Judy, plays. but yeah, if, if Sutton doesn't play Jerry Judy, um, but I, I don't even know if it's a case where they feel like they need to match up with any of those guys. I mean, the biggest problem I would see if I was looking at the Denver Broncos passing attack would be Noah Fant. Uh, Drew Lockett and him seem to have a really good rapport. Hey, He's he, really grown. They stopped going to him though. Well, no, I think they, they partially took him away. I mean, that was one of the adjustments I think Mike Vrabel knows very well. Uh, doing a radio show today, I had a caller say the same exact thing. And I was like, well, when the guy has 86 yards receiving in the first half, uh, your probably halftime conversation is he's not going to have 86 again in the second half. That's kind of how it works in the NFL. Right. Uh, so force him to go somewhere else. Force him to go to the rookie. Like make Jerry Judy as good as he looked at Alabama. And even at moments, he made some nice plays. But uh, he had some couple drops too. Uh, so Dude, force him horrible, to, horrible drops. One that probably took a chance of points off the board. But um, I think you, you try to make those guys beat you and and try to take away a guy like Noah Fan, who I think is is starting to prove that he's he's going to be a mismatch. He's going to be a weapon for the Broncos this year. So that's kind of how I see it um, shaping up. But uh, again, we, we've got a little more time to kind of Evan, evaluate. Way, Evan, the film. Evan Ingram not a big factor for the Giants in that game as well. If you're just sort of thinking through the matchup there. It, it stands to reason that given the personnel that they have with Devin Bush and the Minko there, that they can probably limit Noah Fant. So it will might be incumbent on Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy to win some one-on-one matchups. Yeah, yeah. And it'd be nice if they could get DJ Hamler as part of that, or KJ Hamler as part of that group too. He's got a ton of speed. And yeah. that's something that, not that the Broncos are void of, uh, but they've got size, right? Tim Patrick, I, I thought, you know, kind of made it, played out a nice role for himself. Uh, but they need more like blazing speed on the outside. KJ Hamler really brings that. So, uh, we'll see who's healthy. That's going to be the biggest determination, I think, in how they, they go about preparing their defense. Which old quarterback would you roll with? Wait, how old are you again? What are you, 35? I'm 35. Yeah. Okay. So, you're like, you're like, Ben's like, like if, if we were brothers, Ben would be like the middle brother. He's I think he's what, 38? I think he's 30. No, he's my age. Yeah. He, he's not, no. He's 30 or 90. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's my age because he came out in 04. That's when I was, should have graduated right. college if I was. Yeah. No, yeah. Um, <laughs> he, took that, he took that old victory lap, huh? Yeah, a couple of things left, yeah. Um, <laughs> Maybe there's something wrong with that, buddy. Hey. The old victory half mile. Yeah, sure. It's a victory jog, really. I'm not in great shape at this point. Um, anyway, who, which, which one of these old, uh, old geezers are you riding with this year? Well, if you throw Ben into the conversation, I mean, he looked rusty in the beginning um, and still kind of, I think, getting his timing and rhythm down with Deontay Johnson. But as far as Juju Smith-Schuster, and even Chase Claypool looked fantastic, and James yeah. Washington – this is going to be a high-powered offense. It's going to be fun to watch this year. But I would say, Ben, um, my only concerns there, I think, are Villanueva is taking a step back uh, at the left tackle spot. And then they lost Zach Banner to what looks like a torn ACL. Uh, but to be honest with you, like, I didn't think he played that well to begin with. Um, not to disparage the guy who just got hurt, but, you know, I'm not sure it's as big of a loss. And they really need to Villanueva to step up. So that's more my concern is really their, their offensive line play at this point. But uh, probably Ben, I mean – Tom just looked out of sync, in particular with Mike Evans. You know, that's really where I think you saw the miscommunication, that first interception. Mike Evans has got to keep going, take the middle of the field. That's what Tom Brady was anticipating. Um, and for people out there who don't understand that, you're making that decision and throwing that football 
long before Mike Evans has gotten to his spot, even if he was going to stop and spot up or anywhere close to where he's going to be, where he's going to catch the football. So that's the hard part as a quarterback is it's all about that chemistry. It's all about developing that. And clearly Mike Evans dealing with a hamstring injury, him and Tom Brady hadn't got on the same page yet. Um, well, but the other thing is, is go ahead. I was going to say, do you think, I, I thought I noticed this and I'm just curious. I would, I would, I assume you would agree, but it did seem like guys who were adapting to new circumstances or new offensive coordinators or new head coaches and new offensive struggled. linemen yeah. struggled. And that's going to be a struggle anyway in the NFL because it's, you're up against the best of the best and you are trying to get on the same page with the consistency is key in the NFL. And it's a pandemic offseason with limited practices and no preseason. Yeah. So, you know, even, even preseason games, right. Which Tom Brady is used to playing didn't have that opportunity. And, sure. and one of the toughest things is when you talk, you listen to Chris Godwin, who talked today about option routes and just, you know, uh, developing that chemistry, you know, you could go throw option routes. Oh, a t-shirt and shorts, um, you know, in a seven on seven or something, but until the quarterback's able to get hit, until that wide receiver is get jammed at the wide receiver or gets rerouted. And until you have to react in real time to that coverage changing where it changes your option with, with, with which, you know, way you're going to break or which direction you're going to go, you know, you don't know how it's going to go. Right. So I, the lack of practice time and all that has played a part in that, that portion of it. Uh, I think to your point about even offensive line play, I thought worse was okay for a rookie. Donovan Smith was terrible. Um, and then that's surprising because he wasn't like that last year. So, Maybe he needed the extra practice time and reps too to get himself ready for the season. But that, like, that's my biggest concern for Tom Brady. It's not the chemistry at the wide receivers. It's the offensive line. He's always had the ability to step up into the pocket, right? Set the pocket deep and then step up into it. He doesn't have that opportunity with the way Donovan Smith played and potentially how Tristan Wirfs could look the rest of this year. He was sacked on, over the course, he started 283 games for the Patriots. Um, in 30% of those games, he had three sacks or more. That's not a high percentage. I don't feel like for no. that, given that number of games, you sacked three times and, and I think hit or hurried or hit eight times uh, against, against the saints. I, I mean, look, you can eat all the avocados you want. It's going to be tough to be like, I, you yeah, can go yeah. apply as pliable as you want, but it's going to be tough to take that kind of punishment over the course of 16 games at his age. Dude, you can only limit the inflammation so much, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be brought upon you. Right. Um, well, did, and, you, did and you, I, you notice, did you, did you feel like you noticed anything as it relates to Bruce Arians um, playbook and the system? Like aside from the timing with the wide receivers, it did feel like Tom was throwing. Maybe like it, it felt like his average depth of target. I got to go look at this. I hadn't done it. I should, you know, so busy preparing for the show. I didn't have time, but um, I, you know, it felt like the, uh, his average depth of target just, you know, anecdotally was a lot further down the field than it might've usually been. Yeah, but it didn't feel like as far down field as opposed to Jameis Winston. I mean, oh, like, no, no, no. like, of course not. Of course not. Yeah, yeah. Like, if you're gonna if you're gonna say it's Tom Brady gonna throw for over five thousand yards and thirty plus touchdowns, based on how that game looked, I, I don't know. Um, they're definitely not five thousand yards, but you know, we'll see where he ends up with touchdown passes. Um, I, I think the one thing that stood out to me was, and this is what most quarterbacks will do: Scotty Miller, OJ Howard look to be the two guys he could rely on in the passing game. He will continue to keep working to, and Chris Godwin. He will continue to keep working to those three guys until Mike Evans comes along, until Gronk gets a little more pep in his step and looks like he's back, maybe a little more football shape. He looks sluggish. Um, until those other pieces come along, that's who he's going to rely on. Like those are the guys that seem the most reliable. And that's usually what happens with the quarterback, but in particular with Tom Brady. So, um, you know, that's the one noticeable thing for me as far as the targets, everything else. Like I thought it looked 
much less like a Bruce Arians offense um, and, and probably closer to what Tom Brady's done than the flip side of that conversation. I think the other thing is they didn't really have a great running game, um, something that he's really been able to rely on in New England. And so that's, that's concerning is if he doesn't have much help from a rushing attack and he doesn't have good protection, uh, he can have better receivers than what he had in New England, but he's not going to be able to stand back there and make throws. Uh, he was eighth, by the way, in uh, average completed air yards, seven completed air yards per throw. That's ahead of Aaron Rodgers, Carson Wentz, Daniel Jones, who had a big bomb. No surprise ahead of Teddy Bridgewater, Ben Roethlisberger, Dak Prescott, Deshaun Watson, and Josh Allen. So, I mean, he's up there. It's one game. I, I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm not. I, I think the Bucks would be fine, but I don't think they'll be <clears throat> great for the first month of the season. Um, it might be great. Know. It might be great this week against the Panthers because the Panthers defense is just awful. But yeah, you see, it's awful. But it's, their offense scored some points, so you can't be that disappointed if you're a Panthers fan. Um, I, I don't know, honestly. I, I think the secondary—it's all about matchups in the league. Everything's driven on the team's strengths and weaknesses, and so you really look at it from a week-to-week basis. I think the thing that's concerning for me is JPP had a sack. Did anyone else? Um, I mean, you're looking at that defense like if they can't get pressure. Uh, I thought Levante David and Devin White played phenomenal, but that only takes you so far, right? So those guys can maybe shut down Christian McCaffrey this week, but, you know, what about stopping Teddy Bridgewater in the passing attack in Carolina? Uh, that would be a big concern for me, especially the way that, that secondary played. I mean, you got Jared Cook uh, on a double move running down the field on, was it Jamal Dean? I think that's his first name. I mean, it's just, there's, there's certain things you're looking at in a film and tape, you're saying these things can't and shouldn't be happening. Um, and so that's, that's concerning is not even so much what happened on offense, more what happened on defense, I think for the Bucks. Tom Brady, two of five with, uh, on, on passes 20 yards or more down the field with one interception on those plays. Let's, uh, stick in the NFC South, sort of. One of the Chiefs, Ravens or Saints are a mortal lock to win the Super Bowl this year. Oh, gosh. Um, basically I'm asking you, do you feel like those, do you feel like there's those three teams? Cause this is how I feel. It's those three teams and then a massive gap between them and the rest of the NFL. I, I disagree. If you're not going to put Green Bay in the conversation, they look phenomenal. Um, I'm not doing that. So despite Pete for a while, but that's fine. Well, that's fine. But if you gave me Green Bay, I'd say yes. Okay. You know, lock one of those four teams for sure. Although, um, next- although. Aaron Rodgers will have an MVP type season, so you can feel free to. <laughs> okay. Uh, the only other team I've thrown to that mix, I think, based on how they look is Pittsburgh. So I think those five teams, that is your Super Bowl. Like I would be very, very surprised if it wasn't New Orleans, Green Bay on the NFC side, maybe Seattle. Seattle looked great too, no. but they have such a tough division. And Atlanta might, um, stink. Atlanta might stink. Well, they might, or they could bounce back and be better. I mean, Again, we'll, we'll see how that division shapes out, but in the AFC, it's three teams. It's Kansas City, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and that's it. So if you would have told me, yeah, you get those five teams, I would say you're probably going to see a representative out of those five on each side, on each, you know, from each conference. Yeah. Or at the very least, like you're going to get one, like the, maybe a weird thing happens in the playoffs, but those teams are going to be some of the top seeds in the NFL. I really think this consistency thing, we've talked about it though. I think it's, I think it's huge. I think it's, I think it's bigger than it's ever been. Right. And that and the fact that this, like this, I think is the biggest thing that, you know, hopefully people caught on watching games this weekend was home field advantage is no longer as big of an advantage, right? The better quarterbacks on the road 
right? If they're, they're most impacted by home field advantage because of the noise and having to go in a silent count and getting more pressure. Now you like Ryan Tannehill on Monday Night Football was using a hard count and getting the Broncos to jump off. You, you can hear the whole thing. You can hear it. You can hear yeah. the whole thing. And it, like I was at home. I, I was I was at home jumping off sides. I was like, oh, I got me. You got me on that one. But uh, the you missed it. Like the home field advantage. Like it, that was apparent. And yeah. Aaron Rodgers plays really well against the Vikings in general. But that is a the Vikings have a massive home field advantage. That place is insanely loud when it's full. They play that stupid horn over and over again. It's that's like a foghorn. It's it's incredible. They have the duties to ride on the motorcycle like onto the field. Um, and by the way, so tackles are probably the happiest campers there are. They're like, thank God. Like no matter where we're at, we get protected by the snap count and the cadence. Um, the only pressure additionally that it puts on them is he's got to make sure they remember the snap count. Uh, God forbid they listen to it in the huddle because <laughs> tackles an offensive lineman never do that. But uh, no, in all seriousness, that is. The one thing now where I think if you're betting games, picking games, you got to be really careful. Well, I think you you now are looking at and basically saying just because Russell Wilson's going on the road, you know, he's not going to be as impacted by that. You know, the the travel impact and the time change and all that, it's not going to play as big of an impact. It's the crowd noise and the lack thereof now that we don't see right now. And I don't care if the fans, that they have 5,700 in the stands, 10,000 in the stands, it's not enough. It's not enough to make an impact. All right. Uh, Well, I I have – Stick with Aaron Rodgers because I was going to take it in a different direction. But I, I am curious. Do you think that Aaron Rodgers what, – what what happened on Sunday? Was it Aaron Rodgers was pissed off because his team doesn't get enough recognition except for people named Pete Prisco? Or was Matt LaFleur really dialed in on play calling and the Packers offense was flashing this baby Shanahan type of scheme that might actually work now that we're two years in? I don't even know if it was so much that. I mean, I think they're, they're a second year in. You talked about the continuity. That was part of it. I mean, they ran the football well. You know, yeah. if, if you're a Minnesota Vikings fan, you should be concerned about that. <laughs> um, but but I think also it's the growth and development of Marquez Valdez-Scantling um, as well as Alan Lazard. Like, those two players really stepped up their game. And, and I think if that was the bet by Brian Gutenkunst and Matt LaFleur in the offseason and passing on wide receivers and trapping them and, you know, passing on signing someone to bring them in, then so far they're looking like geniuses because Aaron Rodgers is playing great. This Now it looks like Devontae Adams has enough help around them. And with the way they run the football with, you know, uh, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, I'm not sure if A.J. Tomlin would be a part of it or not. Okay. Uh, really, hey. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, at some point uh, he'll be utilized more. But right now I think they look like geniuses with the way they handle it because they supposedly got their quarterback they want for the future while also uh, being able to still be competitive, at least at this point. Here's a uh, here's a hot take that Ryan Wilson floated on Sunday night after this, at our recap show. Yeah, I think he was joking. The Packers actually had a six-round grade on Jordan Love. They view him as a safety. But they believed if they drafted him in the first round, it would be so insulting to Aaron Rodgers that Rodgers would play really well this year. <laughs> That's why I love Ryan Wilson, because uh, he's got tremendous comedic material like that all the time. Um no, because I think they know Aaron Rodgers well enough to know that when they made that draft pick, like the writing was on the wall. And and by the way, when the writing's on the wall, that means he's the one that did the writing, not the team. The mm. team made the decision. And they might say, well, yeah, we still got him under contract. He's going to be here for three more years. Uh, after this season, I, I think, <laughs> you know, it'll benefit them. But, you know, he, he's, he's going to be able to have a lot of suitors who want to bring him in.
So do you think, and this is actually kind of fitting because they were drafted in the exact same draft class, but, and it, I'm not comparing the two completely, but is it sort of like when the Chiefs drafted Patrick Mahomes and said, Hey, look, Alex, Alex Smith, you know, you're the quarterback all year. Pat's going to sit. And I mean, this happens a lot is that Alex Smith, Alex Smith came out and had the best like deep ball career, like game of the year of his life. Like he was, he, he had a totally different confidence and attitude. And Rogers, obviously a much better quarterback than Alex Smith of his career, but I mean, like he looked like a different court. He looked like old Aaron Rodgers on the Sunday. Yeah, I mean, look, I think that's part of it. At the end of the day, I'm, I'm not sure there's any correlation. I mean, in my mind, if I may, I mean, Derek Anderson had a really good year, like right when you got drafted too, right? Yeah, like, yeah. He, like, he, like, because I remember watching. Everybody's like, "What? The, what the f is Derek Anderson doing? Like, where, where, where yeah. did this come from?" But the next year didn't work out quite as well. I mean, well, you know, no, it's, that's what I'm saying. But like Alex Smith, I mean, like my point being is that it's there. Is, I think that the the presence of a younger quarterback being brought in for a team that you thought might be yours, I mean, just motivates you. That's just sort of, I mean, you know, you. Well, look again. Like I, I, I don't. I personally don't subscribe to that theory. I think I what people, because I think people I don't understand how better than me. Um, well, no, it's just people don't understand how how professional athletes are, are wired like people like for example bud dupree looked great right oh he's in a contract year dude you're pretty much always in a contract year That's like nice. in all honesty in the nfl you don't have really that much job security and even if you do as a quarterback like you are so wired to want to win and want to compete and want to be the best and be egotistical and all that that you know all that crap that gets talked about that's just speculation um you know, again, I, I don't think there's any correlation to it. I just think it's a matter of this team being the second year in the system, having more continuity, taking on a very young secondary, a defense that didn't have much of a pass rush. Neil Hunter wasn't there. Um, Yannick Ngakwe didn't have much of an impact. They might stink. They might stink. Which is, you know, it, it's tough and it would be surprising. And on the flip side of it, you know, Thielen played okay. It kind of got some garbage time yards and, and touchdowns and whatnot, but – like Justin Jefferson's gonna have to play a much bigger role to replace Stephon Diggs, or or if if Thielen's replacing Diggs, then Justin Jefferson has to replace Thielen, and he's gonna have to play much, you know much better than that. So no matter how you you cut it or look at it, I, I just think the team they play in the Vikings to me, I think I picked them to be an eight and eight football team this year. Um, I just don't think they were very good, and I think the Packers are a very good football team. All right, let's take a quick break, and we come back. Brady will explain how he got. The Cam Newton game plan so wrong last week. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. It only takes two minutes of sheer horror. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. We were dealing with a serial killer preying on elderly women. A cold-blooded killer hidden in plain sight. He's suffocating people with a pillow. Leaving corpses all over Texas. How did it happen? I was responsible for her. The guilt is immeasurable. They covered it up. Pillowcase Murders, now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. I mostly kid, but uh, Cam Newton did run the ball 15 times. And the, the hot yeah. take was going to be Cam Newton is an upgrade over Tom Brady. 
Yeah, I'm not going to say that. I mean, I think is there a chance that Cam Newton has a better year than Tom Brady this year, potentially? Um, I, I don't I mean, think it would be quantifiable relative to each other because I think if Cam has a better year, it's because he just scores a bunch of rushing touchdowns. Well, that's not necessarily true. I mean, look, he's playing in a much weaker division, right? I think we can admit, you know, the Saints are the Saints. That's a really good football team. The Panthers might not be as bad as we thought. And the Falcons, I think the jury's still out, but they can at least put up points. We know that. So They're better than the Jets uh, or the Dolphins. We know that. So. Right, right. So outside of the Bills, which I wouldn't put the Bills in the category of the Saints. So, again, I, I think it's an easier division um, that, he's, that, that you know, Cam's playing in. But as far as the game plan scheme and all that goes, uh, the only thing that looked familiar from what Josh had back when, when he was with the Broncos, because, again, he was only there with Tim for 12 games, which, you know, everyone seems to get wrong, Mike Florio, whoever else who posts up. You know, he didn't have anything there for him. Look at his rushing attempts when Josh Pertaniels was there. Like, I, I have the playbook. Um, there was some goal line short yardage stuff, which you saw. And basically what they do in those formations when you're getting short yardage or goal line is they it, it's 10 on 10. And there's one guy responsible for the quarterback. They, based on the formation, try to make that guy as far away from the quarterback as possible. So if I run outside of the right or outside of the left, He's got to run through all that traffic to be able to get to the quarterback. So it's it's a it's a great game plan, easy scheme kind of stuff to do. Um, but the, the the thing that surprised me was the fact that maybe they decided to do it against the defense that's not very good as for the threat for it the rest of the year. Because if Cam Newton and if the Patriots think they're going to run him 15 times every game and he's going to survive, I don't care how big of an Adonis he is and how strong he is. That stuff's going to wear on you, and he's got an injury history. So. I think they're playing with fire if they go that direction only because if Jerry Stidham doesn't come back, what are you relying on Brian Hoyer? And that's how you're going to win the division if Cam's out for four or five games. So not, Cam, a, not a great idea. Cam Newton, here are his career highest, career high in total rushing attempts. 139 in 2017, 132 in 2015 is MVP year, 127 in 2011, 2012, and 126 is rookie year. There's only, only four times he's ever been over 125 carries in a season. Uh, you don't have to be a math major, but I'll do the math for you. 15 times 16, that's 240. That is right. a lot more than Cam's ever averaged. I, so I agree. I, I, I am obviously just pulling the chain. I, th- I do think, I, I think, I think the thing that surprised me though about the runs is there was zone read, right? Yep. So there's an element where he could read it. And, and the only problem I'd say with that moving forward is, is you put him in the, in, in the position where you may keep the football more. Now, the reason why that'll benefit them moving forward is because now whoever's staying back home for him, they have to respect that stay back home. But the problem is, is it creates more bigger players, D linemen, yard blocking or linebackers, depending on the type of scheme that could potentially hit him. And I would rather see them have more designed quarterback runs that look like they're actually supposed to be a zone reader, but they're not. Um, and, and that way he's got a, 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 someone pulling out or someone flashing across with him to be a lead blocker so you can get the second level. And then then I'm not always worried about someone from the second level that's well, a safety or cornerback hitting him. Let's say you're a Mack truck, right? And you get out on the highway and you decide you're going to ram into a vehicle 700 times. Yeah. If you ram into a Volkswagen bug 700 times or a, even or a, Honda, a Honda Prius, whatever. Or, a Prius, Prius, or whatever. even if you want to say like a Tahoe. You know, like yeah. you're, 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 you're going to smash the other thing 700 times. Now, you won't feel great at the end of it. But if you go out there and you smash against another Mack truck, you're probably going to get broken at some point. Like it, you know, like, yeah. and that's the difference. I mean, you, if, if it's, if it's cam against modern linebackers and safeties, they can hit him, but there, nobody out there is going to, 
obliterate him to the point where like he's probably going to break something. Um, I, I do, I do agree. I think they will. I think the read option thing is a great point. When you have him keep on those read options, you're going to have defensive ends or outside linebackers. Let's say for the Seahawks, and so we're talking about. I mean, Bruce Irvin. And, Bruce Irvin, Benson Iowa, um, LJ yeah. Collier. So these guys are going to be studying the film all week and saying, all right, we got to stay home and wait for Cam. Do not let Cam beat us by keeping the ball. Well, all of a sudden that makes, obviously it makes it a well, lot plus, the running back to run. That defense, that defense sees it all the time. You know, so not only are they accustomed to seeing against their own offense, because they do that with Russell. Sure. Um, you know, Buck used to be our code word for in two minute, right? It's an inside zone, but. You could always, you know, keep a buck, even buck odd. That was what our call would be. Um, and so, and you, so, but, but what they do is then they slant the line. Okay. Um, away from the back and then they wrap those backers around. And so like me not being someone who should ever be running the zone read. I remember when I was out there running, I'd be like, Oh, look at the end. He bit down on the running back. I'm going to take this and go out and the gate. Like, <laughs> and next thing you know, you see a linebacker full speed spring around and you're like, Oh no. And then you just start sprinting towards the sidelines for like your mom to try to help you out before you get absolutely waxed. Um, and that's where our, their quarterback coach, he's not no longer there anymore, Carl Smith. Um, or if he is, he's in a different position, but he, uh, he said, Hey, you run a four or five. I go, no, sir. I do not. I think the best I ran was like a mid four sixes. He goes, okay. You hand that football off unless it looks like the Red Sea parted. I said, okay. <laughs> Thanks, Carl. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Tater. <laughs> oh, Tater's his name? Tater Smith. Yeah, that's a nickname for him, but it's Carl Smith. Well, Carl Smith. I like old Carl Smith. Um, the Jets will fire Adam Gase before Halloween, draft Trevor Lawrence, and trade Sam Darnold this offseason. You can just go with the first not, not- not an overreaction. I mean, oh, well, I, I think anyone who's in the number one position is, is going to be potentially taking Trevor Lawrence. Like, you, I mean, first off, the NFL is all about precedent. The Arizona Cardinals already set a precedent. They drafted a top 10 quarterback the next year. They drafted Kyler Murray. And that was with a, a coaching change. So if those two things happen, yeah, you better believe whoever they hire is going to be coming and saying, oh, we can get that guy? Like, yeah, okay. And then let's get some, something back, you know, for Sam Darnold, hundred percent. Like that's, that's not even fictional. That's already kind of happened. So, um, it's not an overreaction. I, I think it's too late to give up on the Jets, but man, they, uh, you know, just Jamison Crowder is not going to be enough in the passing game. You can make the case Bell was their best offensive player. Now he's out for, we don't know how long. And defensively speaking, I just, it, it's it's going to be tough. I mean, I, I think Greg Williams is, is good at scheming some different things up, but if those guys can't execute, it doesn't matter. I'm not sure, you know, I'm not sure how competitive that team's going to be this year. I really thought they were going to sneak up on people, and I think part of it was the way they finished last year when Darnold came back. I think they went, what, 6-2 and two down the stretch or something like that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, was, I was more optimistic and thinking like, okay, well, I had low expectations last year. This year, maybe they'll take that next step. Maybe they'll be like a seven and nine team, something like that. Uh, but now it, it I, I don't know. That, that was a, that was a hard performance to watch and not think that they might have a hard time winning five games. Uh, well, and I think too, that game really goes back to again, one of the lessons that I took away. And I, I mean, I'm going to repeat it over and over again, but from week one, I think it's going to matter at least for the next month. You, you need to look at O line, D line matchups. 
And, and that matters anyway in the NFL, but I think it's going to be exacerbated this season. Like the Jets have five new starters on the, the offensive line, including a really talented and rookie in Mekhi Becton out of Louisville, who's a dancing bear. I think we've heard five million people call him. But the Bills are loaded on defense on the defensive line. They have a ton of continuity there. They have a ton of continuity on the offensive line. And the Jets don't have any defensive players. Like that, that to me should have been a bigger red flag in looking at that game and analyzing it and making a pick on the game. Sure, sure. I mean, that's, I mean, look, when you game plan and, and obviously people are so involved in the fantasy world, they don't think about this, but this is how it works. I mean, you start off with your run, run game and pass game and you look up front of your matchups and you look at how like an Aaron Donald, for example, if you're the Dallas Cowboys, is going to impact your game plan. Like, what can we run? What can we not run? There might be certain times when he's in a three technique uh, and you feel like you can, you know, you can win with a certain combo block up to the second level. When you play Aaron Donald, you're like, no, 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 no. We're not doing that this week. Or, you know, in certain passing situations, we have to change what we're doing with the slide of the line or the tight end or running back. So um, those are always the first things you look at when you start creating a game plan to install from week to week. It's interior first. And then you start looking at concepts um, that will win against different coverages and, and obviously your matchups versus those players and what you expect to see. Yeah, and I, I don't mean to downplay the – I'm saying that I just think this season that if you have an inexperienced offensive line with a bunch of new pieces it, and you're going up against it like a, a top-tier – like look at the Bengals and the, the, Bengals and the Chargers. I, mean, right. time, I, mean, I thought Joe Burrow played pretty well. I thought he looked good at the end, uh, which makes sense, right? Two-minute drive, he ran more up-tempo, no huddle when he was at LSU. It kind of – I think for all quarterbacks, it helps you stay into a rhythm. Um, that was when he looked his best. Outside of that, I mean, look, um, there was a couple balls could have been picked. Uh, There's a fumble, a couple times ball security issues. I I, think, I thought he really looked like a rookie sure. with the exception of a quarterback, scram, uh, quarterback draw for a touchdown and, and then a couple miss, throws. Horrible miss of A.J. Green, who was wide open in the end zone. I mean, you can't make yeah. – but, like, there were a couple spots where he would drop back and he would – I mean, he's taking like a he, – he would get three steps into his drop and barely get set. It'd be like Melvin Ingram is just like, at his birthday yeah. party. Like, hello, Joseph. Well, like, good to see you. Hey, w- welcome to life in the NFL when you get drafted by a not-so-good football team. Sure. Like, that's usually what you're living with or I dealing think- with is – how, well, you had you were lucky enough to get drafted with Joe Thomas, but he was still a rookie. I mean, like he still had. You That's know. one of four guys on an offensive line. I mean, and I'm not disparaging offensive line, but uh, one of five, excuse me, four others. But you know, you're, you're, you're sitting there, you're you're sitting you're sitting there like trying to figure out like again which guys can win and which guys can't. You know, but um, it's hard. But well, it's hard, and it's going to be harder this year because of lack of development. So, like Terrence Steele, for example, right tackle for the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, you saw at the end of that game what the Rams were doing. And they put all three defensive linemen on the other side to force that uncovered guard, that right guard, to slide with the rest of the group. And then that left Terrence Steele with all this space on an island. And it didn't matter who was going up you know, against them. Uh, it just it created an opportunity for them to get pressure on Dak. And that's what, you're going to see a lot of scheming like that this year. Oh, okay, that, that's a great point. Uh, that, 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 see, look at that. Look at that intelligent football pyramid we're building here on the Pick 6 Podcast, Brady Quinn Football Show. Uh, the Browns, I don't know if this oh. is a hot take, the Browns will finish last in the AFC North. You know who will not finish last? The Steelers. That was stupid. Why did I do that? I think I was drunk. It must have been the toughie. Uh, I, I, I don't know. Uh, must have been too much toughie. Uh, we had 
I think we had a conversation about that on HQ or something. Uh, I don't think you and I talked about that, but I would have, I would have tried to talk you out of that one. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't honestly, I was like, I saw the tweet. I was like, my phone is exploding. I'm like, what are people mad? I was like, I think the Steelers last, I think, I think the Steelers go to the Super Bowl last year. That didn't make any sense. I, I could have sent it in wrong. <laughs> I might have like copied and pasted it wrong. I would check my email and see if whoever got it didn't actually get the wrong, you know, maybe they sent the wrong thing. In. Oh, but no, there would never be a mistake here at CBS Sports HQ. No Absolutely chance. Not. You would no chance of the production. You would never, never anybody never operates in the framework of our organization trip up and make a basic mistake that caused. No, uh, no, chaos. like. We wouldn't have a best bet on a rundown today after we went through eight college football picks. God forbid that would happen. Uh, okay. Anyway, moving on. Um, no, there's a, there's a good chance that I, I think Cleveland could with the way they looked. I mean, their, their defense, obviously Baltimore's a tough, you know, tough anyway, but they just, they couldn't stop anything. Um, I don't know if Lamar Jackson's improved that much as a pocket passer or not, but hell, the Cleveland Browns made him look like he's, you know, he's going to win MVP again. Um, Baker looked completely off. You know, jittering the pocket, holding the football too long. Him and Odell have no chemistry. And Joku, who he had, you know, some chemistry with or was in sync with, now he's going to be out this week. It's a short week for Cincinnati. I mean, just, he's on IR. Oh, yeah, excuse me. Well, either way, you can always, you can always bring it back, but he's not coming back. Yeah, he's not coming back yeah. for a while. Right, right, right. And Odell, by so, the way, uh, Mike Francesca, uh, formerly of WFAN. Some people have heard of him. I don't know. Um, he, uh, he, said, um, he said that the Browns are trying to shop Odell. Yeah, and I had heard that before the season even started. So, you know, it's, it's, it wouldn't, it makes some sense because like what value has he provided since he's been there? He seems unhappy. He, he seems like there's a, it's, there's a disconnect there. Uh, but I'm not going to put it on him because both those balls that Baker threw to him, at least the two that were largely overshot and he didn't have a chance for, he's got to make those catchable footballs. I mean, yeah. I'd rather him underthrow him and make Odell, you know, reverse course. And, and adjust and maybe get a PI than that. So as much as people want to put it on Odell, I, I think in some instances too, it's Baker. Like there's not many excuses there. Um, but yeah, that, that, that's a team that very well could. I think we're going to find out this week, short week. They should beat the Bengals. They're more talented Ross than the Bengals. That defense is very suspect for Cincinnati. Uh, I don't, I don't know if the Chargers are a good indication of anything considering how limited they are passing the football. So, um, they should win this week. And if they don't, uh, yeah, I, I thought they'd be nine and seven this year. Uh, I would be, I'm going to have to, you know, you know, pull my pants down at this point because I would be, I would be way off. Well, I had them finishing second in the division. So it could be worse. So I, I had, uh, Pittsburgh and Baltimore tying at 12 and four. Okay. Baltimore wins via tiebreaker, Cleveland at nine and seven, and then Cincinnati winning like four or five games, something like that. So. I, I think losing to Joe Burrow. On national television to go to zero and two would be a tough look for for Baker Mayfield. It'd be a tough look for his future there. I mean, let's be honest about this: the organization has to make a decision on his fifth year option, and if they really want to do it in, in an economical way, you know, you don't let this thing go through his fourth year, where then they start talking tag numbers and all that. That's just not a world I think their front office wants to live in. Um, and so that's the hard part is. It's only one game, and so I'm not going to overreact in that way, but he's really got to improve his level of play. It, it, you're in the situation with, with Baker where it's like, I, I'm not saying he's like Mitch Trubisky, but they, the Bears could not pick up Trubisky's fifth year option after his third year. So they don't do that, and then, but they bring him back for the fourth year because you are invested in him. And then if he has a good fourth year, 
you basically have to give him $30 million a year and you're sort of hamstringing yourself. It's a tough spot to be. I think Baker's had a much tougher run, though, of it, right? I mean, think about it. Hugh Hugh Jackson's his coach his rookie year. He finally gets to play, plays really well. Uh, But Hugh, you know, Hugh gets fired. Somehow Freddie takes over. Freddie Kitchens. Well, yeah. Well, does it look like a downgrade now? I mean, that that team looked like it was in a worse spot. They they pounded Baltimore and Baltimore last year. That was not that was not what we saw from the Browns and Baltimore this time. So I, I don't know. I mean, this. And here's the thing is, if this season is as bad as it as it looked, if they continue with that, I mean, Jimmy Haslam fires coaches all the time after one year. I mean, that's the Jimmy Haslam way. So what stops them from thinking that they're not going to turn it all over again and say, hey, my bad again, uh, made another mistake here. The only thing would be then he'd have to get rid of Paul D. Podesta because this is all Paul D. Podesta's brainchild right now. And Andrew Barry, I, I, th- I, my theory on the Browns is that it's going to look more like Baltimore and less like Cleveland in a couple of weeks. I think we're gonna. I think we're gonna look back in in four or five weeks and be like, "Oh damn, the, the Ravens are just a, a killing machine here." Uh, last one. Oh wait, I got two more for you. First, the Arizona Cardinals are the best team in the NFC West. <clears throat> Your boy predicted before the season. You say ten hot takes, you gotta get one of them right. Yeah, um, this is like startup investing or angel investing, right? Um, I. <laughs> I'm not ready to say that yet. I actually get I get the I get the call their next two weeks games, so I'll have a much better feel based on you know watching more tape on them. I feel like Kyler Murray's special; he could be up for the MVP. Hopkins isn't going to get targeted that much consistently. Teams are going to try to take him away, Um, and and I think it it was also like the response to like David John, like like Bill O'Brien. No, it wasn't. No, no, but I'm saying like they wanted you want to showcase Hopkins. You want to be like, hey, look. Well, he's he's their best wide receiver. I mean, it's no disrespect to Fitzgerald. He's a Hall of Famer, but he's not what Hopkins is now. And Kirk hasn't been consistent enough as a wide receiver. And so outside of those two, like, who else are you throwing to, really? Um, And so, no, I I think they kind of need to if they want to be effective. And even then, like, Kyler still needed to run the football a lot. I mean, let him in rushing in order for them to win that football game. So uh, I'm more curious to see – how their defense ends up panning out. They look, they look pretty darn good. Uh, but I also know that the, the 49ers are limited, but I, I'm not willing to say that yet. Let me call the next two weeks games and we can have a conversation about it. <clears throat> and finally, the Washington football team can win the NFC East. <laughs> um, I, I don't, I think that's an overreaction. I think their defense is going to be solid. I think the difference is, is they don't run the football the way the 49ers did last year. And Haskins isn't to where Jimmy Garoppolo, he was playing last year, but that front is playing out for the 49ers were last year. So I think they'll be in a lot of games. They'll be competitive, but I don't think they're going to be winning the NFC East. Um, but man, it, it looks like they got a shot, at least obviously beating Philly the way Dallas looked and the way the New York Giants look. So, um, maybe it's not that far fetched. I think if you had that kind of defensive line, you can at least make some noise in, in 20. 20- any any season really, but especially this season, the Cowboys are losing dudes on offense, like the offensive line. They lost some depth. The Eagles' offensive line looks like a train wreck. Decimated. Offensive line, everyone. And, and like, I'm not saying that Washington has to go 11 and five. You can go eight, seven, eight and one, and win the division. Robert Ray has done it before. I mean, you know, just I, I, how about this? Because I, I thought Wentz tried to do too much. Granted, he, he's you know their offensive line play was good. They were getting guys banged up left and right. Rough, rough day for Dan Orlovsky. <clears throat> Does yeah, does Hertz does he start to maybe come in to try to create a spark, to try to do something with this offense? 
I, I do wonder if that starts to come into play if this goes on for another couple of weeks. D- Debo's going to ask me after the podcast, like, did you text Brady and tell him to say that? No, I just I, I wonder because now, like, here's what the NFL coaches I've never felt comfortable doing because they make such a big financial commitment to quarterbacks. Is they're like, yeah, we don't want to have to pay these guys all this money and then run them a bunch to have them get hurt. Why does it work in New England? They're not paying Cam that much money. So it's not a huge financial investment. It's like a loaner, right? Like Danny Cannell probably put it best today talking about how, you know, Cam Newton's a rental car. You know, that's what, that's how they view him. And, and I'm not, I don't think they actually view him like that. I just think there's not a big financial commitment. So if he gets injured, so be it. Like that, that's what they're doing, what they feel like gives them the best chance to win. I, I, I do think when you have a quarterback that can run and when you exercise those running, that those, um, styles of that, those sorts of plays, you simplify what defenses can do. And it scares the crap out of D coordinators. And it's the last thing they want to see in the NFL. I can promise you that is a quarterback that's a dual threat, like Lamar Jackson, like what we see from Cam, like potentially what Jalen Hurts would, would, would be able to bring, um, to the table if Philly mixed him in every, every once in a while. The, the Brady Quinn football show. Always fun. Good talk. Great insight as usual, my friend. Uh, stay safe down there in Florida. And, uh, I don't know why I said stay safe. Uh, be, be, be good down there in Florida. Hurricane, hurricane season, you know. It is hurricane season, so be safe. That's right. Uh, COVID. Uh, I'll see you next week. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel. Streaming around the clock on Pluto TV, the CBS Sports app, and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.